Welcome into another edition of the Pressing Coverage brought to you by the Cold Front Report. I'm your host, Greg the Sports Bully Boucher. And today I got a very, very special guest in the house, Mr. EJ Daniels. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Appreciate you having me on, Greg, for uh, one of the inaugural episodes of the uh, Pressing Coverage. I know you did one yesterday, so I appreciate you having me on for the second you, one. Well, it, man. you are the first guest on the show, so there's definitely... Oh, okay. Yeah, so you, you're going to take a, a seat in the Hall of Fame right now. So Yes, sir. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm glad you're glad you're here. I know you and I, we've, we've had some heated discussions during our, our draft debate talks. So the idea is to kind of keep those things going over here on Pressing Coverage. And for those of you who are tuning in and checking out the show, what we're doing here is we're going to delve into a lot of the hot button topics uh, that are circling around, you know, Bill's Mafia and on Twitterverse and, and the social media scene uh, as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills. And there's <laughs> there's a lot of garbage to sift through out there. Obviously, this is the off season, and, you know, there, we're kind of idle hands at play right now. We're not watching any games every any Sunday. So people are really, the conspiracy theories are running wild, and I think a lot of people um, are getting a little carried away out there. But um, so we got a few subjects we're going to cover tonight and uh, we're going to jump right in. And the first question was Gregory Rousseau, the right pick for the Bills at 30. EJ Daniels, what do you think? Was it the right pick? I mean, who's to say it's the right pick? You know, Greg, you know, who was I pounding the table for <laughs> so hard, that's so why, many shoes? That's why I got you on here, man, because I know yeah. you were going to be a, a sense of resistance for this question. Yeah, I mean, listen, Bill's Mafia been clamoring for a cornerback, too, for how long, man? It's just like you had one of the best corners, the most instinctive corner, in my in my um, estimation, in the draft on the board at 38 with Asante Samuel Jr. You had him right there. I mean, yep. why not take him? I mean, and it's a, it's a pass rush you know, versus coverage thing. And when you got to go against the Bucks, you know, a couple games, you got to go against the Chiefs. I mean, you got to go against these high power passing attacks. I mean, why not, you know, get a, a top notch corner that's instinctive and that can play in a zone scheme like the Bills run? I mean, people talk about his size and all that, but, you know, I think he would have done really well in this Bills scheme. But to get back to the question, um, you know, being so, so I, I, t I take it you're high on Asante Samuel. <laughs> So I always Asante, try Asante Samuels, then Gregory Russo, somewhere in the in that Yes, order. man. Listen, I always try to go. I hate to go off on a tangent, but I'm going to stick to the No, goal. hey, that's what this hey. show's about. It's yeah. about tangents. So carry on. So, so being kind of already prepped us for it, if you remember, he said, he's like, this draft, we're looking towards the future. And he stuck true to his word. I mean, every pretty much every pick they made was a pick of was somebody that can play down the line, maybe yeah. with the exception of Basham. But pretty much everyone they drafted is could play down the line or be a major contributor down the line. So with Rousseau, as I gave you props off air, Greg, I know you were the first one to be like, you know what? Yep. Gregory Rousseau yep. might be the best D end in this draft. Yep. And, and, and we and all just, laughed at you. I, exactly. I want all you guys to know, everyone that's <laughs> tuning in, listen to the show. I went through hell on our draft show when I brought up Gregory Russo as the best pass rusher available in this draft. I got crapped on. I got ridiculed. I even got hammered in the comments. But, I mean, hey, you know, I, I, I had the foresight. Brandon Bean, if you're out there, if you're listening, give me a call, man. I'm on the same page got, as you, bro. He got to. He got yeah, to now. Yeah, yeah. He got because clearly y'all thinking on the same wavelength. Clearly. Got, yeah. 
So, you know, <laughs> but so. um, yeah. So, in that aspect, you were correct. And like I said, being in the brain trust over at the Bills, thought pretty much the same thing with some tutelage, some coaching. We may have a top ten pass rusher on our hands. And so, to answer, to go back to the thesis of the question, was it the right pick? Who's to say? But was it a pick that I understand and was already prepped for? Yes. Yeah. Because Gregory Rousseau, he has tools. He's what they call a toolsy prospect. If you could think, if there's a poster child for prospect, it's Gregory Rousseau. He's got yeah. long arms, tall frame. Um, his frame is like really his biggest you know, tool and his biggest attributes. And the things that you can do with that frame is so uh, is a myriad of, of different options. As I told you guys in our group chat, you know, he's been working because he didn't play in 2020. And yeah. then in 2019, he had 15 and a half sacks. Granted, it was against centers and guards and it wasn't, you know, true pass rush sets against um, tackles. But, you know, he did have 15 and a half sacks. So he has been working with Chuck Smith, former defensive end from the uh, Atlanta Falcons, working on his pass rush moves. And as I told you, Greg, on our show, I seen it from this perspective. If he was to have a trajectory where he could either just, you know, reach, just reach his floor, just get like a low floor, yeah. you know, I still think he could be like a top 20 pass rusher in this league. And, and, and when I sat and thought about the pick after I was upset at first, but when I sat and thought about the pick and thought about what Bean had said prior to that and thought about his plan going forward, I can't hate on this pick. I mean, if you yeah. feel like the Chiefs, your, your, your outlet to beating the Chiefs is to beef up your pass rush, throw the kitchen sink at it then. Get the yeah. guy you feel is the they, best they, pass they, rusher. They definitely threw the kitchen sink at it, you know? Exactly. See, now, I, I mean, that, that shows a lot of guts on your part there because I know how hard it is to swallow the Gregory Russo pick. But, <laughs> I mean, for, for me, for in all honesty, now, as a prospect, as an evaluator, I liked what I saw in Russo, and like I said, you just touched on it. He, he projects to the future. There's a lot of tools there. And what he can do, you don't necessarily know. He had one year of football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people talk about the 15 sacks. And I, don't, I throw that out the window. That doesn't, that's crap to me. Those yeah. sacks, and, I, and we talked about it, those don't mean anything to me. And that's not why I thought he was going to be a, a top kind of pass rusher. Not because he, you know, beat up on slow guards and centers and had five sacks against a garbage Florida State team is that his size is uncanny, mm-hmm. that that length and that size and that he's young. And, you know, not, not let me pump the I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying in terms of the prospect, when you, look, when you go back and you look at Josh Allen, Josh Allen didn't show you a ton of good film at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a great-looking prospect. You didn't look at him and go, wow, that's a quarterback. That, you didn't see where he is right now. You didn't see that. And if you did, you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott because not a lot of people looked at Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming, a big, strong kid with a big arm who was inaccurate and had a, you know, a, a gunslinger mentality and did a lot of things wrong mechanically, footwork, all that stuff, and said he's going to be, the, uh, and in three years, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, to Gregory Rousseau, he has a lot of those traits too where you don't look at his film and say, wow, this guy's going to be great. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Bruce Smith. I just think that he has that type of mold and that type of ability to be that guy. So to answer the question, was Gregory Russo the right pick? I agree with you. I don't think he was the right pick. Now, why would I say that after I just love this guy up? And I think there were better players on the board. 
I honestly do. And I think we could have done, especially if you look at, we went and got Carlos Basham with the next pick, who I think is the most mm-hmm. NFL ready, probably next to Quiddy Pay in this draft. So we got him in the second round. Now, I get, like I said, we're throwing a kitchen sink. We're going to solve this pass rush issue. We're building for the future. But if we went and got that corner in round one, we all agree. Cornerback two has been a travesty on this team for for how long? Years since we've had a solid. Now we got. So I thought we the opportunity was there. I also was was very very high. We all were on Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa solving that problem there at linebacker, and he was on the board. And I get it. There were some medical concerns, but I think the pick was wrong. And I know people are going to give me some heat for that, but I, I'm not questioning what Bean did. I, I obviously I said I like the prospect. I just think. Since we got the pass rusher in the second round, and we have A.J. Epinesa, who I think is going to have a great year next year, and I'm not opposed to having Rousseau. I like him, but I just think if we did things differently with that first pick, the the way this thing plays out looks a lot better. I think we mm-hmm. needed that corner. So this tells me that you know being in them must be super high on Dane Jackson, or they're just ready to throw everything and, and fix the pass rush, and that's going to solve the other problems. You know, I, I, so here's, here's a question I have for you then. Lay it on me. Let's, baby. let's say they took, let's say the, the picks were reversed. Let's say if they did Basham, then Rousseau, would you have liked it more? Whew. Cause I, um, cause remember on the draft show, you were also high on Basham and you were saying oh. the same thing. Like he could contribute right away too. So if they flipped the picks, would you have liked them a lot more? I, I would have had no problems with Basham being pick 30. Then I think Rousseau in the second round, that what is that, 61? I think that would have made less sense because I, I think you could have gone in a different direction easily because you got that pass rusher. I think the fact that Basham was there in the second round kind of, in, in a sense, saved the Rousseau pick on its face. Obviously, we can go back in five years and say, wow, the Rousseau pick was a Josh Allen pick. This guy is a perennial you know, stud. But I, I think if we're just, we're just going apples to apples here, I think Basham at 30 and Russo at 61, I think that would have been kind of kind of crap to me. Uh, I yeah. think that we could have definitely – but Basham, to me, at 61 saved the 30 pick. So now you don't have to have Russo be all anything. He could take time to develop. He could, he could ease into – he can grow up. I think he's only 21, and he's only played one year of football. Where Basham is, what, 23, he's got four years experience, I think five years at Wake Forest. He's NFL ready now. So I like where we're at. I'm not complaining about it, but I think if I could rewind the clock, I would have gone elsewhere at 30. What say you? Yeah. So your, your, your final say is what? My final say is, Greg, it's tough, man. Like, I, I Greg, I, I got to go incomplete. I said it on draft night. Oh, I'm incomplete. Listen, I know. I know. There, there I will know. there will be no incompletes on this show. You stand, <laughs> you, you make your bed and okay. you sleep in it, okay. Daniels. Okay. It was the right pick. Because okay. here, here's why. Here's why. Because, they, they do, like you said, they're doing the Josh Allen thing. They're taking a super, toolsy per, a super toolsy prospect, and they're saying, hey, we got the coaching staff. We've got the other players around him to make him better. And he will solve our pass rushing problems down the line. Maybe it's not this year, but yeah. he will be a contributor down the line. We've done it with Josh Allen. We've done it to a certain degree with Tremaine Edmonds. A certain degree. We will delve into okay. that shortly. Right, 
Right, right. We've done it with Tremaine Edmonds, so we can definitely do it with another edge rusher. They needed somebody to replace Jerry Hughes. They, like you said, the pick was saved with Basham. So again, and then on top of that, Bean had already told us that all the picks that he's making is going to be picks for the future. So, yes, all right, it was the right pick. A one yay and a one nay here. So <laughs> it's very interesting that you just brought up Mr. Tremaine Edmonds because that's mm-hmm. where we're going to next. Now, the question that's been posed out there, and this has been brewing for, God, this question, I feel like it's been on the tip of my tongue, and the, this, the, the whole issue with it has been the bane of my existence. And right. do you believe that Bill's Mafia overrate Tremaine Edmonds? No question about it. They overrate like 90% of the Bill's, Bill's players. I mean... Yes. This is this is the thing about Tremaine Edmonds. So I'm I'm gonna try to make this rant as short as possible because I don't want to talk so long. But this is the thing with Bills Mafia, and this is the thing that I constantly say, uh, interview and, and show after show after show that you guys do not watch film, and so you guys watch broadcast games, and that's it. And that Wait, is hold, not hold on. on. He had a hundred tackles, dude. Did, you, I, I remember mean, you, saw, you saw his stat sheet, right? <laughs> I mean, he had a hundred tackles. Remember, Greg? Remember the guy that came on my Twitter talking about that? Remember? Yeah. Tell us something. Oh, he had a hundred tackles. Like, let's dove into that then, because you play ball, I play ball. We know, and this is for Bills Mafia, because this I want to educate also, because I don't want to sit here and rant. I want to educate. Yep, yep. All tackles are not created equal. Just think about it. If let's say they're playing the Seahawks, whatever, Chris Carson busts through the a gap. And he gets six yards, and Tremaine Edmonds makes the tackle. What? Tell me what he did. I want you to tell me what he did. He got a tackle, but what did he do on the tackle? He saved it from becoming a seven-yard-plus game. It, exactly, but he, but uh, Chris Carson just altered down in distance, right? Now yeah. they got another favorable down in distance, so that tackle means nothing. It really, in, in hindsight, it really means absolutely nothing because he still altered down in distance. Now, if he would have got a tackle for loss. Then we're talking about something. You know, I'm sitting here and I have Tremaine Edmonds stats up, right? And I'm looking at all of his pressures. He only has, like, he has six sacks for his career. He had one sack this year, three in 19, two in, two in uh, his rookie year. Like, he really doesn't pressure the quarterback a lot. And he really, a lot of the times loses gap integrity a lot he makes a lot of misreads but these are the things that you can see on tape this not yeah. is this isn't like you need some type of football degree to understand what he, he's messing up and you know you got the nate jerry's and you got all the dudes on cover one talking about oh it's the scheme that makes tremaine Edmonds so bad okay then well if he's as good as you guys as you guys say he are he should be scheme proof correct so he, l- let me be devil's advocate for you here as mm-hmm. as as I've dealt with, as I've made the same arguments that you're making, but he was hurt last year. Right. He played injured. Okay. Here we go. Remember that play where Jamison Crowder, it was the first Jets game. Jamison Crowder, he scored because who missed the tackle? Could, could not have been Tremaine Edmonds. Hey, oh, it was. And you, oh, know what oh. Mookie, you know what Mookie Hawkins told me? Mookie Hawkins said out of his own mouth, he said, that's the play Tremaine Edmonds hurt his shoulder on that play. Right. So if he would have went with proper form, because he I mean, 
he his thing is he's a super dumb athletic guy, bro. Not dumb as is stupid. Yeah, yeah. That slang term from like he's really athletic. I don't want anyone to make <laughs> misconstrued. I'm calling him dumb. I'm just saying he's super athletic. He's super athletic, but he's not really headsy. And linebacker is a position where you got to be smart and instinctive. And he is not either one of those. There is times, and I'm gonna say this, there is times he does make some plays. The first play of the Chargers game on defense, bust through the A gap for yep. a pressure. Very very first play. But after that, I mean, there isn't anything to speak of. He, give, he gives up a touchdown to Keelan Allen on the goal line in zone coverage. I mean, because he's late getting over but, there. So it's just like. But what about what about Star Lutalele not being there this year? I mean, that obviously contributed to his his game, right? I will say this. He will benefit and he could benefit from having a big fat, a big fat one tech in there to keep those. Those those centers and those guards off him. I'll, I'll agree with that. We were both. I think all four of us on our draft show was banging the table for the Bills to take t- Tyler Shelvin strictly. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was I was anti. I was one technique. Yes, not Tyler Shelvin. Don't you don't you put that on me, man. He he was the best one tech in the draft though. He was the best one tech in the draft out of an absolutely atrocious, shallow, shallow one tech draft. Yes, he might. have I mean, been. Tommy Tommy Togiai from uh, Ohio State is pretty good. Uh, those guys are. I think they're. Friends. But, <laughs> but we're, we're getting off to. But don't you right. put, don't you put Tyler Shelvin on me. But but we were we were advocating for them to get a one tech in a draft, you know, and just in case Starler Tulele wasn't ready to 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 keep Tremaine Edmonds clean. And I yeah. would think he would definitely benefit from that. And if you're telling me that if I get him this true one tech, not Ed Oliver, who is a true three tech, you know, Ed Oliver played one tech in college and so now everyone thinks that's his true spot and he yeah. did cause a lot of ruckus but he's going against college centers and guards in conference usa he played at houston that's conference usa it's not like it's the sec or mm. the acc or the pac-12 so you know now you don't have a true one tech so not only is ed oliver getting crushed you got tremaine Edmonds that's constantly getting crushed getting by centers caught, and guards. caught in the traffic and so now you know, his run his run defense is awful. His pass coverage ain't never been good. So, I mean, what is he really doing on the field? Like I said, there's times he makes some plays. But if I'm ending this, I will just say this. He still has a lot of tools. He's only, what, 23. 20, 23. He's 23. He's 23. So he is a relatively young player. I think the Bills picked up his fifth option. Did I think he deserved that? Absolutely not. With the base, strictly based on the way he played, no, he did not deserve to get his fifth-year option picked up. But whatever, Mookie Hawkins told me that they're trying to bring everybody back. So that's exactly what they did. So um, if I'm sitting here saying he had, he's a super toolsy player, he has more developing to do, but let's just see his trajectory. I want to see I am not encouraged by his trajectory at no. all. No. You know, and so, Greg, what do you say? Are you encouraged by well, his trajectory? Dude, I, I'll tell you what, Daniels. Um I thought I was going to come out swinging and throwing haymakers and, and be the one that you kind of had to calm down. But now I almost have to come out and defend. You You just beat Edmonds up so bad. I almost got to come out in defense of the kid. Am I wrong? Um, no, 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 no. You, you're, everything you said is, is I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I, I think without a doubt, Bills fans, I, I think most, and we're talking about the fly-by-night fans who, who just watch the games a little bit and, you know, don't really said break down and see what's actually taking place that that just hear things get regurgitated about pro bowls and tackles and say yeah no he's great he's yeah he's six five and yeah he ran a four four and listen and i almost feel like i have to clear the ear with all the people i've had these you know the debates with over the last year or so about tremaine edmonds 
Oh, Greg, I just yeah. I just saw something. Can I say something before oh, you uh, yeah, please, before you go? go? Yeah. So you know how those guys on Twitter always say Tremaine Evans is so great in coverage. Remember that one guy that was like, "Oh, Tremaine Evans locks down the middle of the field," right? Remember, I'm he looking was, at. I, uh, you're you're gonna take my. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, on the conference championship game, right, Greg? Guess how many times he was targeted in coverage? Was it was it eleven? It was eleven times. Guess how many receptions was on him? Eight. Ten. <laughs> that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm sure that one break. I'm sure that one play that didn't go his way was probably a phenomenal play. But now, now listen, Tremaine. I think what people get lost. I said they get lost in all all that kind of just buzz and things they hear and these catchphrases and, and they regurgitate it and, and they don't really know. Like you, you hit on right off off the rip. What is Tremaine Edmonds' impact? Where are his pressures? Where are his tackles for a loss? Where are his sacks? Where are his passes defended? Where are his interceptions? Where are his forced fumbles? Where are his, his tackles at the line of scrimmage? Where are his, you know, fourth down stuff? Now, obviously, there's people out there going right now looking for that one clip of him, you know, coming through in the Cleveland game when they, uh, was it last, you know, in 2019 when they had like the three goal line stand. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's never made a play. I'm not saying he never hit the quarterback. But you're talking about a kid who was drafted in the first round, who's six foot five, 250 pounds, who's probably, I think, arguably the most gifted linebacker athlete in the NFL. I, I think you could make the argument he's one, two, or three best athletes in the NFL at the linebacking position, blessed mm-hmm. with size, length, speed. I, I mean, complete freak of nature. But that it very rarely shows up on film. And I don't think his issue is a physical issue. Nope. His is a mental issue, a processing issue, an instinctual issue. You watch him. He is late to react all the time. He bites on every play action. I get it. He's a linebacker and he's learning. But every single action he is sucked in and he he is late to react and get over the top. He's not a very good tackler. He's a absolute liability in pass coverage in my article he was the worst rated out of all the linebackers who had 400 snaps in coverage he was the worst rated linebacker in the nfl last year okay in pass coverage as a blitzer he was he blitzed 72 times last year he altered the outcome of eight plays on 72 blitzes now that's atrocious that's, that's, that's the impact. Now, that's what I'm talking about as, as when people get... Now, would I say cut him or he's not worth it? No. I just think he's a he's a, a average to decent linebacker who's getting all the world of hype from Buffalo fans and around the league because of what he might be able to become. He's not there yet, and I get it. People say, oh, he's, he came in the league at 19. What upsets me by that is, I mean, I'm not in Bean's head. I don't think they drafted Tremaine Edmonds to be good in seven years when he's 25. They drafted him to be the starting middle linebacker at 19, 20 years old. And yes, it's a testament, excuse me, to him that he's been able to step on the field when most kids are going into college and he's playing a man's game. But he was not an impact player in doing the things that we drafted him to do. If you're content with Tremaine Edmonds being an average to decent linebacker who's a liability in coverage, who's a terrible blitzer, 
who is slow to react, who needs help up front to keep him clean, then then that's our guy. Now, I, I, I disagree with you. I think we had to. We made the commitment to draft him. I think we had to pick up his fifth-year option. To fi- we, we have to know. Now, he can come out this year with everything situated around him, with a healthy Milano and him not having the shoulder injury and Lutalele back and the guys up front and, and the OTAs and the preseason and be the Tremaine Edmonds that everybody else already thinks he is. And I'll be, I'll be happy. I want him to be that good. I want him to be the guy that everyone thinks he is. He's just not yet. Mm-hmm. I, here, here, here's my thing. Uh, to, to piggyback off your point, so that same guy that was at me on Twitter about, oh, he got 120 tackles, right? I told him, I said, yo, go and watch Darius Leonard. Go and watch Levante David. They want, and then I was going to tell you, Greg, they talk about, oh, he made two Pro Bowls, bruh. Like, the Pro Bowl don't mean anything uh, these days. So did Tyrod Taylor. I don't think any of right. us are, are wishing Tyrod Taylor was still our quarterback. Like, Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl off his worst year of his career. So what what stock are we putting in that? So I'm 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 saying to you, look at the linebackers that are top at the position: Darius Leonard, Levante David, uh, Demario Davis from um, the Saints, Bobby Wagner. Bobby, these Wagner. are the guys. Yep. These are the guys that are Pro Bowl lever, Pro Bowl caliber linebackers. If you watch Tremaine Edmonds tape and tell me he looked like Levante David and Bobby Wagner, then you then you lying. You right. straight lying. Yeah. Even even Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard only been in the league for like two or three years. I think and he's already same, an All Pro. I think they're in the same draft class. Actually, yeah. I mean, and he went to a, a, a was it a swag school or he didn't even go. He went to a, a, a HBCU. That's what he went. He went to a HBCU. So he didn't even go to a Power Five school. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just like, what excuse does Tremaine Edmond have? He went to Virginia Tech. He went to a top program. So what what see, what's the excuse? See, I, and that's what you're you're using the word excuse, and I think that's. What a lot of Bills fans do is that we we make excuses. And that's where I get into my things. I don't make excuses. I'm a Bills mm-hmm. fan, but I'm not a homer. I'm not just going to uh, congratulate. And, and the thing that blows my mind is that we've suffered for decades with crap talent. And you would think there would be more objective fans or people who do what we do, content creators who are more objective and not just going to buy everything that comes down, down the lane. Yeah, man. We make excuses for all of our players. Mm-hmm. And instead of just saying, hey, you know what? You know, Cody Ford, excuse after excuse. Ed Oliver, excuse after excuse. Uh, you know, uh, Levi Wallace, excuse after excuse. Tremaine Edmonds, excuse after excuse. Dawson Knox, excuse after excuse. Sometimes we just got to say, you know what? We didn't hit it. These guys aren't that good. We missed. They're not great players. It is what it is. Maybe maybe next year. But we, we keep giving excuse after excuse. that oh, no. Well, he is good, but this, 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 and this, and this. Or, well, that happened, and this happened, and, you know, uh, oh, he only plays well on Tuesdays when the stars are aligned and the moon is out, <laughs> and, you know, but you, you wait for a full moon, and you will see a Pro Bowl caliber player. Right. But, you know, to wrap this up here, I, I think we are both 100% in agreement that Bill's Mafia, and, and to some extent the NFL at large, overrates Tremaine Edmonds. Absolutely. All right. And uh, I just want to I just want to say one last oh, thing please, b- please. B- before before we sign off again to your excuses thing. There is some some merit to progression. And as I have learned from studying the game, progression is not linear, meaning it just doesn't go up, 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 up and up. 
Sometimes there's peaks and valleys and sideways and left and right. So with that in mind, I will say, I like you said, Greg, with the fifth-year option, we got to see. Because if they if if they ran the risk of cutting him and he go to a team that that'll develop him like like the Ravens and he yeah. becomes the next uh, Ray Lewis, yeah. Bills Mafia would be all they wouldn't they would what hate I, Brandon Bean. You gotta find out. You've come yeah. this far, and like I said, he's not terrible. It's not like we're, we're hanging on to Aaron Maben here. Mm-hmm. He, he he's he's a good linebacker. He's got a, a high ceiling. He's he's average to decent who's capable of doing some very freaky things. It's just not consistent, and he's he's not at the level that people proclaim he is. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, as we move on from that, and I, I, we probably got to take drink drink some water, cool down after, <laughs> after, after the Tremaine Edmonds explosion. We're going to move on to something that I've been seeing popping up on, on social media and in different content groups and stuff like that. And, and like we talked off air, this is a subject I think where people are just looking to talk shit, say something and get something started as matter as ridiculous it sounds just to get some buzz or to be the original thought and say, well, hey, if it actually comes true, I'm the one who thought of that. I have seen on multiple things this talk, a serious conversation, it seems, of moving Daryl Williams the right tackle that we just paid right tackle money to, moving him into guard to make way for Spencer Brown, the third-round draft pick from, was it Northern Iowa? Or yep. Northern, yeah. Northern Iowa. So that's that's the conversation. Do you believe that that is complete nonsense, or do you think there's any merit to that at all? So the originator of that take you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him no clout. I'm just gonna say the originator of that take. I actually watched the video that he said that take on, and I asked and I and I watched it all the way through, and I listened to it, and it said basically what it said was Daryl Williams when he was in Carolina said that he plays well on the right side. It doesn't matter if it's at guard or at tackle; he just plays well on the right side, right? So, I mean, there is some merit to that, but you have to keep in remembrance number one. It, they're asinine for three reasons. Here's the here's here's number one. Number one, he just got paid a nice deal at right tackle. He just had his career year at right tackle. Why would I move him from right tackle to right guard? If you're saying that they want the best five linemen out there, okay, but he his best position is right tackle. Yep. He had a career year last year. So that's his best position. So he wants to play on the right side, but he just had a career year at tackle so why would i move him in the guard if he just had a career year at tackle number two tackle play is probably the hardest thing to find in the o-line because they have to guard the most athletic people on the field which is the dns and the edge rushers they are the most athletic guys on the field ask any nfl player they'll say the most athletic people on the field are the dns and probably the cornerbacks so they have the toughest job to get out of their stance either kick back or set wide or whatever and to try to block these guys subsequently they make the most money, yeah. too. They make the most money. I put in our group chat the other day, look at the contract Trent Williams got for playing left tackle. So why would I move? You got to pay money to protect somebody who makes money, correct? I mean, you, if, <laughs> yeah, your biggest, I mean if your biggest investment is needs protection, you better pay the people protecting your investment. Exactly, bro. And it's just like, why would I go down from making tackle money to guard money? That tackle money is different. Trent Williams got like a 
what was it like a 10-year contract it was it was a lot of years. it was more he, than yeah, five years he got transformer kind of money then right he got some crazy money so i said let's say daryl williams has two seasons like that right currently he's what like 28 or, or close yeah, to 30 he's, or something he's, like? yeah he's on a cusp of 30 he might, he might be 28. yeah that might be okay All right and trent, trent williams is over 30 yeah meaning that tackles have a long shelf life right so his next contract could be from another team let's just say it doesn't work out with buffalo it could be in the ballpark of what trent of what trent williams got so again why would i go play guard when the, some of this yeah. stuff is on the horizon and then to bring it back to my thesis he just had a career year at tackle and it is the most valuable spot on the o-line both tackle spots so why would i why would i go a kick inside it doesn't make any See, sense as you said I, i'm in 100 percent agreement with you but if you if you if you even push all that crap aside which I mean, every point you made is obviously it's it's resonating it, it's you speak you speak no falsehood sir <laughs> but who are you making way for mm -hmm. for who now i could see if there was a situation and i'm just obviously we're just making this up here hypothetically speaking now say last year there uh Deion dawkins was hurt and Ryan Bates played for him and played at a all pro level last year. Da uh, Deion Dawkins comes back. You got Williams there. Now you have Bates, who's a, a great tackle. Well, you got to fit him in somewhere, and maybe you would consider moving someone down to get you. Like you said your best five. That's a, a, an absolute hypothetical, and we don't have that situation anywhere near Buffalo. You have Daryl uh, Williams, who played his best season as an NFL player last year protecting josh allen we just paid him tackle money i think it, it's a pretty pretty reasonable contract i don't think he didn't break any records but i think he he got the payday he earned and deserved mm -hmm. and people are correlating this with wow spencer brown and now this is where i look into you don't know football if you could look at spencer brown Who's a freak athlete in his own right? Six foot eight, three hundred twenty pounds. I, I mean, length, all that stuff, and think that that kid is ready to step in and play right tackle next year, and he's good enough to play right tackle and move Darrell Williams into guard. You don't know football, and I will say this: How did Cody Ford do? Who was a extremely polished, extremely NFL ready prospect coming out of Oklahoma in the Big Twelve, who played against Big Twelve competition. How did he translate to the NFL at right tackle in his first year? 15 games he started, and he was rated one of the worst offensive tackles in the NFL for those 15 games. And he was far, far, far ahead of what Spencer Brown is. And he could not hang out there. We had to move him inside to protect him. And I'm not saying Spencer Brown is not going to be a good tackle. He's not capable of becoming a good tackle. But that kid is not ready right now. If you go and watch his film, and if you go and watch his senior bowl tape, there is a lot of technical issues in his game. Yes, he's a great specimen. Yes, he looks fantastic in pads and, and the, the measurables and all that stuff. But like you just said, the most gifted athletes on the field are your pass rushers. Mm -hmm. This kid is now making the jump from Division One AA football, who probably went against, I would say, zero NFL caliber pass rushers he went to a senior bowl week where he finally came across nfl caliber pass rushers and did decent he didn't dominate 
he, he didn't maul people. He had a lot of good plays, and there was a lot of ugly film on Spencer Brown. Now, that's fine because you can correct some of his issues going forward, and you can help that kid out. And I think in a year, two, three, he could be a starting tackle. And I think that's what the plan is, is that Darrell Williams is going gonna, is gonna to hold the door for a, a potential Spencer Brown move. But that's two, three years away. We are not, we are not moving Daryl Williams into guard. And I think that's just, that's an attention-grabbing, asinine comment. And then, like, on top of that, I mean, Daryl Williams has a lot of stuff working for him. Like, he's one of, like, four ta- four right tackles that is, like, in the top set, is in the top, um, has a 70-plus run blocking grade and a pass blocking grade for PFF. So he gets it done in both assets. And then on top of that, I mean, what his best performance last year was against arguably the best pass rusher last year, T.J. Watt. Yeah. And what are the Bills? Who's the Bills' first game against? T.J. Watt. Yeah. Yeah. So you telling me that Spencer Brown gonna hold T.J. Watt to one pressure? Dude, I, there's I, there's I, almost I, a part of me uh, that wants to see that, just to, just for commentary like that to say, hey, Spencer Brown, go out against J.J. Watt. And you know what? Come 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 to preseason. No, T.J. T.J. Watt, not J.J. Uh, T.J. Yeah. Either way, it would still be a train wreck. Right, um, but but we're gonna find out in the preseason when this kid has to put the pads on and play against consistent in a game game situation against NFL caliber players. And and like I said, I'm not hoping the kid does bad. I'm just I'm just being realistic. It's 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 not yeah. gonna be a pretty thing. It's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of bumps in the road. I mean, look look to Cody Ford. Yeah, like you and like you had mentioned before, it's just like there's a lot of technical issues. Like you have to think these. So the Bills' first four games are against the Steelers, Dolphins. Washington and then Texans, right? No so pass gonna have to go in that mix, huh? Bro, he's going to have to go against <laughs> TJ Watt and Chase Young. Like, these dudes know how to get leverage. And he's yeah. 6'8". Yeah. So he don't, know, he don't know how to navigate the leverage between actual defensive, uh, actual edge rushers who, who do this for real, for real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Division one double A, that's cool. And yeah, the senior no. bowl is all right. But he ain't played nobody like Chase Young. He no. ain't played nobody like TJ Watt. But you want to throw them out here, throw him out there week one? Yeah, on, 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 on the verge of paying Josh Allen buco bucks and making him, you know, the highest paid player in franchise history, you're going to throw a third round draft pick who has developmental issues out there in lieu of a right tackle who just played his best season at right tackle, and you're trying to figure out Cody Ford and the guard. So I, I think we're in agreement. I, I think that's just hogwash, and I think somebody was looking for clicks, and and, and they got and he got it. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. sitting here. We're, we're on this show. It. We're talking yeah, we're about, talking it, about it, it. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I guess you know. Credit to whoever came up with that. You know, thank you for giving me a you know ten minute segment on my show to talk about that commentary. Um, here, here, yeah, here's some push, here's some here's some pushback though, and this is where I think people get lost in the shuffle and they don't understand what an outlier is. What if someone's like, well, you know, Tristan Wirfs came in. And was a starting right tackle, and he was a rookie, and they won a Super Bowl. And Tristan Wirfs is like top two or three right tackles in the league. If you watch this tape at Iowa, you could see that that dude was going to be that guy when he got to the league. Like, you know right away. I mean, Tristan Wirfs as a prospect was far more NFL ready exactly. than Spencer Way Brown. Way more, bro. And, yes. and like I said, and if you're going to make that comment, then you – you're just going off of something you saw on the internet and, and pass that on because you know if you're evaluating prospect to prospect, you, you're literally evaluating apples to oranges because yeah. Tristan Wurst was very NFL ready. I don't think any of us. I didn't think he was that NFL ready, but it didn't it didn't surprise me that he was you know penciled in as this day one starter. 
I, I was shocked that he had the success that he was, that he was as dominant as he was. But I, I think he was definitely a, a starting caliber right on off the rip type of tackle. I, but, um, I was not at all. I, I actually scouted him, and I was like, yo. Like, I seen how the only thing I saw from him that was a that was a, a, a knock was the fact that he couldn't deal with those uh, those small rushes. But that's any tackle that's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, yeah. and you go up against a rusher that's like 6'2", 6'1", you know, and they can get up under your pads. Yeah. But he anchored really well when that happened to him. It wasn't like he got dominated. You know, he would get pushed back and, and, and lose the pocket integrity, but it wasn't like he was getting – uh, destroyed though, and I and then that was literally like all his tape. That was literally the only thing I could literally nitpick and say that was his issue. So I knew right away. I said he was the best tackle in the draft. So yeah, you know, I don't think Spencer Brown has that type of capability. No, so that's and, and Spencer <laughs> Brown. And, and you look at where Wirfs was a wrestler. He was a mauler. He was very physical. He was physical getting up to the second level. He was a he drove on people and he grinded them out. Brown is as as big as he is. He's he's if you look at him proportion wise. He's very thin, mm-hmm. you know, and he's three fifteen or whatever. He's probably realistically to fill out properly needs to be about three thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, he's six foot eight, so I mean, he's got inches on people, and you know, he's a finesse player, which is great. He, you know, I think that's kind of where the NFL is heading, and especially how we operate our offense. That we, but there, he doesn't have that. He's 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 not a good straight line blocker he's more of an angle blocker he, he's quick enough to surprise people on down blocks and stuff like that and get to the second level and cover up but he he is not a mauler by any stretch of imagination and mm-hmm. yeah. but hey I, I think we're in agreement and now we are going to move on to another topic we'll spend a little bit of time on this i don't think too much but um obviously the running back debate has been out there we've we've talked about the running back issues and uh where we stand on that um matt burita now that's I, I think I don't think that conversation has gotten enough talk thus far. I think everyone was high on you know Etienne or Najee Harris or get rid of Singletary or running back suck and all that noise that I don't think people really appreciated or, or took the time to analyze what how low key a good low key signing the Matt Breida signing was for this offense. Do you think he crashes as a signing or do you think he splashes as a signing? Uh. Splash? I wouldn't go as far as splash. Do well, I, I use that? Be... I used it because crash and splash. It's it got to get you crazy. It sounds good. <laughs> it do. You know it do sound like, good. So okay, I'll switch up. Do you think he'll he'll make any impact whatsoever? Yes, I think he will definitely okay. have an impact. I think he will definitely give this running back room an added element of speed that he has shown that he can do. The Bills are a great zone running zone scheme type of uh, run run team. And they should employ more of that. That is what Breida can do. He mm-hmm. played in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, who was probably, uh, between him and McVay, he is probably the best at running that wide zone system and scheming up plays to execute that effort to perfection. And he was very productive in that offense. He also is a very fast running back. He has, I think he has the, the fastest um touchdown of like 30 yards in the league or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Analytics, yeah. the advanced analytics. He ran, you know, like a cheetah yeah. or something. They timed him out the speed that he ran it on the field. Yeah. Right. If he is running outside zone and he hits that cut back, he will. He will go to the house on it if you do yeah. not have anybody covering that cutback lane. He will take it to the house. And the Bills lack that. And yeah. they got him for a nice price. That is the that is the thing, though. That is the, the most important thing. You have to get cheap talent at these positions that are least valuable and running back however you want to slice it any running back that's not Derek Henry or Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley I'll say that 
Yeah. It's so, at so least like 29 other running backs in the league. Right. Exactly. They, they This is at least uh, not a very valuable position. No. And you can get away with signing three guys that do different things and that can just come in and contribute. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs have been doing this for the two years, and they've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you you got to take in consideration positional value. You know, I – I had not had any type of education on what positional value was until I started working for PFF and like just understanding like what it is and it's something that you can't ignore. If I'm paying a running back, you know, 1.5 million dollars, you know, for the next 2 years and I'm getting 1000 yards per year, it's just like that's a great signing. Yeah, it's a, you huge, know I mean? a great investment, yeah. And and it's whereas I'm paying Travis Etienne if like TFC was saying on our one show, you would have to pay him 11 million dollars. And then your offensive line sucks, and now Travis Etienne looks like crap. And so it's just like yeah. your offensive line, that is what you should build up. That is what you know you need to put your investment in. And Brita, again, he is a guy that can take advantage of outside zone and zone running, which the Bills are really good at. So, yes, he will definitely make a contribution if given the opportunity. Now, how they're going to divvy up the carries, that's one thing. I don't know. Yeah, see- I, I like that that was, that, that was my question there is, is do you think now I think we all agree last year I think a lot of things got kind of overlooked and glossed over with the covid situation the OTAs no preseason now that everything is is, is back to square do you think uh Dable's going to give more attention to developing this run game or do you think we're going to see what we saw last year and it's just Josh Allen's show and that's that Listen, man, I, I, I pray to God he do. I, that's all I'm going to say because you don't know. I mean, his track record has shown that, you know, he's a pass-first guy. You know, they had in the Ravens playoff game, they ran the ball one time in one half. Like, yeah. I mean, this guy has shown that he, you know, he wants to pass now, it all over the yard. See, see, to me, is that a thing of, you know, somebody made the point to me, and I, and I would get off without getting off too yeah. far, about Dawson Knox. Well, mm-hmm. We said, well, you know, why should we go out and get a tight end? We don't really use a tight end. Is he not using the tight end because he doesn't have faith in the tight end? So are we not running the ball because our offensive line is is deficient in run blocking? So it's it's well, I'm not gonna dial up a, a two yard loss here. I'd rather have Josh Allen look to Stephon Diggs for an eight yard gain. Is, is that do you think it's somewhere in between there where we would like to run the ball a little bit more, but we're not being productive mm-hmm. with it. So why would I change an eight yard gain in a pass for a you know, a, a net zero gain in the run play. I mean, honestly, you know, based on what analytics say, he he's doing the right thing, you know, passing it all over the yard, honestly. You know, yeah. the amount that he's running is about what what you need to succeed. You know, the Chiefs the Chiefs were the only team that ran the least amount least the least amount in the Bills. The Bills ran the second least in the league and they were able to make it to the AFC championship. Yeah. So both teams that ran the least in the league Made it to the AFC Championship, you know. See, so see, I wouldn't know. I'd have to look at it, and, I'm, and you're probably the guy to ask. Yeah. How productive were the Chiefs in the limited times that they ran the ball? I feel like with that offensive line, and I'm just going on just what I saw them and the times that we've played them. Yeah, I feel like when they did run it, they were successful in running it. Where I feel like we didn't run it as much because we weren't successful running the football, and it, it became a excuse me a take the good over the bad yes yeah, so to answer your question actually the chiefs were the 
to your point, you're exactly right. The Chiefs were the ninth highest graded per PFF, the ninth highest graded, no, the eighth, excuse me, the eighth highest graded run team in terms of their run grade. So actual running backs making yards and making positive plays, they were eighth. So you're yeah, absolutely see, right. See, I, 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 we have to find somebody who can get this show in front of Bean and McDermott. I got to be I got to be in the office somewhere. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I you're think, on it, man. You yeah, on it right yeah, now, bro. You're you know? on it. So but what I'm going to say is I think that their passing game was so good that people had to sell out and cover that. You get a lot of nickel and dime personnel out there. You got a lot of smaller guys on the field trying to cover all that speed. Running the ball with their offensive line was probably a success because they were going up against personnel groups that weren't adept at stopping the run where the Bills mm. – we're spreading teams out and doing that, but we didn't have the offensive line that could create those seams and those things. So, which kind of concerns me because we didn't do much to upgrade that. We're bringing back the same group, the same exact cast of characters, minus uh, a forest lamp who it was really just kind of a shot in the dark. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. I, I, he could. Yeah. He he he's a. I think at this point it's safe to say he's a bust, and he's looking for a second wind here in Buffalo and to. You know, push some competition, I think. But what we haven't seen from this offensive line is a consistent ability to create running lanes. Now, when I, I put out there in defense of our, you know, Moss and Singletary, who got beat up this year, and, and I think that is a testament to people who just don't know football. Oh, they stink. Oh, they can't do this. They don't do... You go back and you watch those games. And I don't have the stats off my head, but I, I put them in the article that I wrote months ago that these guys were get the, the the amount of contact that they were getting the 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 negative plays that they were getting what was any running back outside of probably Barry Sanders can't do that on their own they needed the help so i think it to me either this offseason and the OTAs and all that stuff is going to get the chemistry right we're going to be healthy up front Feliciano is you know going to be healthy Cody Ford's going to be situated where he's going to play you got the Darrell Williams locked in, and not Spencer Brown, um, right. and and Deion, Deion Dawkins and, and Mitch Morse. That maybe this thing gets situated, and we have a little bit more success in our scheme up front. So, I'm gonna push back just a little bit. Yeah, right on me, man. So again, for that's, PFF, that's why I brought you in here, bro. Right, right. For PFF, I was able to watch most of the Bills running running block run blocking uh, snaps at the beginning of the year, and I've said this many times on the show. You know, at the beginning of the year, they were the fifth highest graded zone blocking team. They were actually doing pretty well. But, how many games you know, in was that? Five. Five okay. games in. I remember it's that. It was actually week size. five. Right. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty decent sample size. Yeah. So they finished the year with a 69.6 run blocking grade, right? And that was good for 15th in the league. So they were just above you know, halfway. The average just, threshold. Yeah, they're, they're average, you know, and that's kind of what I saw on tape. You know, they started out really well, and then towards the end of the year when they started suffering injuries at key spots, like Morris got hurt. Yeah. He missed the game with a concussion. A lot of flipping Feliciano was, Yeah, a lot of flipping. Feliciano was hurt. You know, then you had Winners, and then you winners had uh, Bodiger in there. And in so, Bodiger. Right, they, it, it was a lot of uh, flipping and exchanging, and it's just like, as Zach Moss said on his uh, in interview that he did with that other network, he said, yo, it was just about us, you know, not running it you know, running it more, you know, and you can't get a continuity as you spoke to. You can't get continuity run blocking if you don't have a solid unit out there, you know, and that's kind of what the grade reflects is just like they started out really well and, you know, and then cut those last couple games, 
it was just atrocious, you know. So 69.6 is like they was all right. Basically, yeah. there was an okay run blocking team. Though that game against the Chiefs was atrocious. Against the Ravens, they barely even ran. You know, they you just guys you guys remember what was at the end of the season, and that was what the what was at the end of the season. You know, the the, the the bad blocking. So I will agree with you there, but I wouldn't say they sucked at running run blocking because they really didn't suck at run blocking. It was just towards the end of the year. They started sucking at but run see, block. But I also think, uh, to piggyback my comment, and then we'll move on to the next question, but to piggyback my comment is that I think the Bills did a poor job. I think they were very predictable in the down and distances where they chose to run, the formations in which they ran, the personnel groupings that they had on the field when they run. I think they became very predictable in the times when they chose to run it, which I think put their offensive line at a disadvantage, knowing that, I mean, obviously these people study film, they know what they're doing, they, they, these guys live, eat, sleep football, and as a defensive side of the ball, your defensive quarters, everyone's seeing the same kind of personnel groupings, the same formations, I think they became predictable in what they were doing. Now, with that being said, I think we both are in agreement that Matt Burita is going to have some impact this year, I think he's going to help them, I think he's going to have a couple explosive plays, I think he's going to be utilizing the pass game, some screen, stuff like that, and I think he's going to bring in that element of speed that this offense especially out of the backfield has been kind of longing for but with that being said yeah. moving on and, and one yeah, thing before yeah, you we, one thing before we move on i just want to because i want to show Devin singletary some love yeah he oh, get yeah. he get beat up a lot pff put out their top 32 running backs list he was number 22 remember that man he's not as bad as you guys think he is he is actually a good, good back i am i am very high on the kid I, I think i went back and i especially was the last two weeks i watched i went back and I watched the entire 2020 season every snap Nice. And it took me a couple of days, you know, here and there. But what kept popping to me was, I mean, damn, this kid, when he gets gets past that line of scrimmage, he gets the opportunity to make people miss. He's very, very productive. Yes, and I sir. think just getting him that seam, because like I said, we, we all agree, he's, he's not a Matt Burita. He's not a, a 4-2-40 guy. He needs that daylight. And from there, he could make yards and make people miss and, and be, a, be a tough tackle and, and move chains. And I think give him that opportunity this year, and I said it on one of the other shows, I think he's going to be a 1,200 yards from scrimmage guy this year. I think that's a re I think he's going to be able to have seven, 800 yards rushing, you know, another four, 500 yards you know, receiving you, the ball. You think he gets more touches than uh, Zach Moss? I personally, I, I like him better than Zach Moss. I wasn't, I, and that was the other thing that stuck out to me. I know Zach Moss didn't, he didn't impress me in terms of what he was to me was supposed to be this uh, sledgehammer running back who's going to, and it, the comment he made was, you know, about making, you know, tacklers make a business decision when they came. I didn't see that from him. In mm. fact, he seemed to go down, you know, relatively a, a one, you know, one, one on one. He was, he lost those matchups more times than he won those matchups. So, I feel like you have the, the shiftiness and, and the receiving threat of Singletary, and you have the home run threat of Brita. I, I don't know. To me personally, I think in that trio, Zach Moss, I don't know. I, I don't know what his skill set is. It's not, I don't know where it fits in his skill set. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't have the home run speed. He's not the sledgehammer back. And I, he was used on, you know, short yard situations a little bit more than, than Singletary was last year. And he didn't look, you know, particularly successful in doing that. So, um, I mean, that's my take. But moving on to our final question of the night. And like I said, I wanted to end on a good note. That's why I ordered them at such. And <laughs> now, I think... This is, is, is a great conversation to have is we're going into year four now with Josh Allen. We've seen the maturation from basically from Wyoming, from the combine, 
all the way up into the AFC Championship game of last year. How high is Josh Allen's ceiling? From what we've seen on his resume, from Wyoming to that raw quarterback with a big arm, to the combine, to all the bumps and bruises in the peaks and valleys, to the AFC Championship game, how good could he be? I think his ceiling is the roof. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm playing. Uh, honestly, man, if I'm being totally serious, bro, I think he got the skill set to be the best quarterback in the league, like hands down, like Rodgers. Like, he has that type of, you know, ceiling and that type of skill set where, you know, he could be rushing for 10 touchdowns a, a, game, a, a year and then he could be throwing for close to 5,000 yards a year. Yeah, you know what I mean with like forty passing touchdowns, and that's that's it's gonna be Hall of Fame numbers. Oh yeah, I mean he could he could definitely be in a conversation for you know best quarterback ever. Like he has that skill set, and, and that, I know that may be a wait. Lot, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we, what's back in the? I said convers- what I said, man. I, I just want to. I just want to. I, just, I, I said wanna, what I said. I want to take it out of context and make sure I heard what I heard. The he best has the quarter- skill set to be the best quarterback to ever play the game. Now listen to what I said. Now I'm I not said disagreeing with you in the NFL or for Buffalo. In the NFL, okay, okay. You heard it. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. But that wasn't me who said that first. Jordan Palmer said he was the most gifted quarterback oh, no, he's agree. ever coached. I agree. Yeah, no. and, I, and I and like I said, it's, it's he a bold statement. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's you know. still he's but he's see he's 24, going on 25. You know he's about to turn 25 in. Oh, in a couple in next week, honestly, May twenty, All right. May twenty first, he'll be uh, twenty five. Er, so happy, happy early birthday, Josh. Right. So I mean, he's still at a point where he can get better. Um, if he, his only issue, the only issue I have, the only thing I can that's see, what I, that's what I was going to ask that, you. Where yeah. do you think his his deficiencies are still lying right now? After he, the year he, he just has, had? he has deficiencies, and they bother me because the deficiencies that he has. Is what Brady is what Rogers is what not not Russell Wilson so much but Brady and Rogers I use them, those are where they excel at specifically Brady, because one thing about Brady is he is not gonna lose the game for you. And you say what do you mean by that? Mm. What I mean by that is Josh makes a lot of plays that takes them out of favorable down and distances. I'll go back to the Miami game. He, they they bust through the line, and they sack him right. But instead of just taking the sack and staying in field goal range, he backs up, backs up, backs up, backs up, backs up, and they're out of field goal range. No, I'm sorry. That was the Colts game. Forgive me. I'm thinking of uh, of Mahomes. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Mahomes. My bad. I meant the Colts game. My bad. The The Colts game, yeah, they were in field goal range, and somebody, I forgot who it was who busted the line, but as Josh usually does, tries to stiff arm five linemen, tries to make a play instead of just taking the loss, taking the points, and getting out of there. What did he do? Backs up, backs up, knocks him out of field goal range, and now that's a, uh, that was a possession that they lost. That was a scoring opportunity that they lost. Brady yeah. does not do stuff like that, partly because well, he can't I'll say move Brady, like Brady that. can't do that. Right. He can't move like Josh, but Brady excels at plays like that, yeah. knowing the down and distance, knowing that we're in field goal range, so we need this. So I, if I got to take a sack to keep us in field goal range, I'm going to do that. Get yeah. the ball out quick, just taking short, yard, short yardage plays. Josh does not do that well. His mental, he has to get better at the mental and the, the fundamentals of playing quarterback. See, Another no. issue, no, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, what I'm no, going to say yeah. with that is how much success has he had? And, I, and that's a tough thing with him. Is yeah. Where do you dial it back in? Because you can go through 
his whole career thus far and find mm-hmm. plays where you're saying, just go down, go. Oh my God, he completed it. Like he's had a lot of success being that cowboy, that gunslinger, that the play that is never over for him. And he's had success. He's also had some blunders where you're just going, oh my God, just go down. What are you doing? He's got the ball all over the place. He's pushing this one down. He's twisting and the ball's on the ground. And then you say to yourself, oh God. But you've also seen him a week before that complete it for 10 yards or, or turn it into a touchdown. And where yeah. do you say to him, how do you teach that kid to not almost do what he's instinctually good at doing that has brought a lot of success to this team, to him, and, and say, hey, not so much? The thing is, see, you mentioned it before. He is getting ready to make upwards of $200 million, and he probably will be the highest paid player in Buffalo history. Buffalo would rather him not do those plays, those Superman plays, and check it down than to do those plays and get hurt. Yeah. Because if we have to rely on Mitchell Trubisky to get us to 10 wins, I don't know if I'm confident in that. I'm so, more confident in Mitchell Trubisky than I was in um, Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley, thank you. Yeah. I'll, go, I I'll, for- I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that, but I don't want to have to try no, Mitchell no, Trubisky no. out there. Agreed. When... I have a running back like Devin Singletary out there that can make people miss. And if I give him the ball on a check down, he can make a guy miss and get a first down. I'd rather see that than a super. Obviously, there is times where you have to make plays off schedule. Obviously, we know that. I mean, that's what yeah. makes Josh Josh. But he has to be smarter. So to answer your question, it's something that you can't coach it can't can't coach out of him. They never coached out of Brett Favre. They yeah, don't coach it out of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, you can't coach it out of him. You can just only encourage him like, yo. Why don't you do the check down instead of, you know, trying to stiff our fire line? Why don't you just take the sack, keep us in field goal range instead of, you know, trying to do this? Because it only takes one hit. That one yeah. hit he had two years ago against the Patriots when it was a helmet-to-helmet hit and they thought yeah. he had a concussion or when he hurt his ankle. Like, if Josh goes down, the team is going to go to crap. I don't care what anyone says. They're oh, not yeah. going to be competitive, you know, mm-hmm. and so he has to understand that. And he's probably not going to do it right away, but, you know, once he gets that money – yeah, once, and it's and a, business, he, yeah, a business yeah. decision and say, hey, listen, man, you know, I don't want to end up, you know, on the sidelines and all that stuff and end up making his money. But, but, you know, and the thing, too, is that you were just hitting on it about the team going to crap. And, and I think that's I, – I, I, to correlate it with Josh Allen, this team last year, obviously I'm not saying anything genius here, that without Josh Allen we wouldn't have been good. I, I think that's obviously the most under, you know, underrated statement. Right. You know, like that. <laughs> He bailed this team out so many times being Josh Allen that when I went back and I we, to me, were a very average team. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, we had, we had Stephon Diggs and stuff like that. And I, I think our defense was bend but don't break. And, and we, we made the plays when we had to. And I think Josh Allen, to me, was the MVP because he made it all work. He made that team. If you took Josh Allen out of there and inserted, you know, another uh, put Philip Rivers on that team or you know one of those other you know mid-level quarterbacks they're an eight win team you know I I think Josh Allen was that good last year and he's he made this I think a very you know average squad I think I think if you went down player to player and made the comparison around the league I think we're an average team with an exceptionally talented MVP caliber quarterback who and that's how it's supposed to work your quarterback's supposed to make your players better, your team better. You know, yeah, we have a couple stars plugged in here and there. But I think Josh Allen, 
like you said, I think at the end of this thing can be one of the best players to ever do this thing. And, I, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a homer. If you look at where this kid came from, 2018, Josh Allen looked awful. Yep. I think the vast majority of us said, oh, here we go again. Another, you know, when is this thing going to be over? Four years, five years? When do we get to move on from this mess? Here's this poor kid. You know, he's throwing a ball. He's getting sacked. He, look, he looked awful. I mean, there was time he just threw the ball up. We had Robert Foster catch it. Okay, great. He's got a great arm. But the, the football part of Josh Allen, the, the accuracy, the understand, it, it was a mess. And where we are right now with a guy that was in the conversation to be the MVP last year, and I think I think he should have been. Well, he, fin- he finished, He finished. what, second or third? Second. He was in second. the conversation. No, no, no. Yeah. But I'm saying he, I think he should have been the MVP. Uh, that. That's me. I think he okay, should. I was about I think, to say Rogers. Rogers was literally lighting literally every team up that he played, bro. I'm, I'm like, not saying I like he, Josh. I'm not saying nah, Rogers nah. didn't deserve it. I'm just saying in terms of without him, I, I think he was there and he made all these things happen for the Bills and brought this franchise to the forefront. But going forward, now think about how much better he got with the different pieces around him, bringing in Stephon Diggs, building this thing around him. The more help he's going to get, the better he's going to be. And I think, I think it's realistic next year he can throw for five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns, and rush for another ten. I think that's possible. I know it's you know it's it's it, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. One of my one of the guys I like, uh, my man Justice General, um, he said that he thought. Um, Josh could throw for fifty five hundred. And at first, when he said it, I was like, uh, but I looked at what Josh had threw for last year it was 53 61 so it yeah. was like 200 yards off so yeah. it's not out of realm granted though that now you have an extra game so yeah okay the numbers, numbers but up, yeah i did go back and look so drew Brees has the most 5,000 yard seasons 5,000 yard passing seasons in nfl history he actually had a season where he shot for 6,000 yards i think josh could probably get to 6,000 yards due to the fact that he pushes it like, I looked at how many attempts that it would take for him to do that. It's close to, like, 700. He had 692 attempt, passing attempts this year. So yeah. he would need 700 to get close to, like, the 6,000 mark. I, I think he could do it. You know what I mean? I, and they I mean, push I, it down the field enough. Yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah, it's, like I said, I think we're in store for a very big year. I don't see, I, I know a lot of detractors around the league. Oh, there's going to be the, you know, the, the, the slump and the regression that happens. I oh, it's think, definitely going to be some regression. No question about it. It's definitely going to be some regression. You but think if with he could Josh just, Allen? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, listen, they're going to start playing him different. They're going to start playing the whole Bills team differently. They're not just going to let Josh, you know, sit back there because now he can actually pick apart defenses now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, But to, to, look, to the flip side of that, look at the defensive coordinators. How are you going to stop him? Because he can rush. He can go get a first down with his legs. He can make uh, plays off script. He can throw off platform. There is not, there isn't anything Josh can't do as a quarterback physically. Yeah. Not one I, thing. I think you're going to have a lot of teams do that what Kansas City did and just come and come and come and come and make make you make the throws. And I, I think that's got to be something where obviously you know Dable and them are preparing for that and mm-hmm. you know changing their script and having those safety valves and having quicker releases and and Josh Allen understanding that the pressure and where it's coming from, but. I think he's going to be under a lot, but I think if you look at where the maturation has come from and where this kid started to where he is now and how much better he's gotten every year, 
and, and yeah. we're not just talking about in statistics, but in just in the the grasp of the game and the confidence you have in him, and every time he drops back there, where those things that we we all said you can't teach accuracy in the NFL, you can't mm-hmm. teach that. Well, here's a kid who is probably one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks coming out of college, and he finished with just under seventy percent completion percentage this year. You can teach yeah. it, you know. So think about how much better he's gonna be, and can be, with a team that's getting better around him, with another year with OTAs and the preseason and and all that stuff to to kind of get this chemistry and pick up where they left off. And you got the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a better running game, a more consistent running game, and I think you're gonna see. I I believe, I believe a better version <clears throat> of Dawson, Dawson Knox this year who I think is going to help Josh Allen take that next step. Well, I mean, if you have faith in Dawson Knox that he's going to take the next step, that's that's cool. I'm not uh, saying he's going to be George Kittle. I just think he's going to be a better Dawson Knox, and I think he's going to contribute more and be somewhat more reliable. You know why I agree with that take? It's because they brought in Jacob Hoster, who's actually a solid tight end. And if he does not get it done, and I had the option to put Jacob Hoster in and get tight end one reps, that's that's who I would want. I mean, Hollister is basically what Dawson Knox is going to be. You know what I'm saying? That's well, Dawson bas- Knox is a lot. He's a lot more gif- athletically gifted than Hollister is, but Hollister is just more a more solid player. Yeah, but I'm saying I, I think that's. Yeah. I don't think he has. Uh, I don't think he's going to be much. Like I said I don't think he's going to be George Kittle. I think if anybody's on that yeah. train of the Dawson turning into that, I, I don't think he's that player. But I think he's capable of being a better football player, and in in doing so, making Josh Allen. You know, helping Josh Allen get across the road. I don't give that. Yeah, but um, so we've we've hit all our hot topics, and I think we've done a tremendous job in doing so. I think we've kind of cleared the air and um, went over it all, and you know, took on what's been you know passed around, you know, Twitter and, and social media and everything pertaining to the Bills. So um, I want to take this time. I want to thank you for coming on. You know, Mr. Daniels. Uh, as as always, tremendous insight, and uh, I love talking to you. I love spitting with you about. Everything about Bills, and um, if you guys want to follow EJ Daniels, tell him how to, how to get a hold of you there, buddy. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty much on Twitter every single day uh, looking for you for Bills Mafia's take so I can destroy anybody who has, <laughs> you know, crap takes like we do today. Uh, so it's at edaniels77. I'm looking for all you guys. I'm looking for all the hot takes. So if you got them, just shoot me a DM, yeah. hit me, do every, whatever, and you're going to get an immediate response because I'm here for all of it. I love it. I love it. And you can find me on twitter at at the sports bully one and make sure you guys are following uh coldfrontreport.com checking us out on on all our social media there we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on youtube we're on twitter and you're not going to get better content than you will from the cold front report team that is a fact so if you're looking for your your daily dose of what's going on in the bills world make sure you check us out but uh until next time thank you guys for tuning in and uh Stay safe out there, fellas.